to Aligned Mama Podcast. We're your hosts, Samantha Kapsick and Nikki Trout. And we're partnering up because we know motherhood is hard. Like really, really hard. (laughs) Really hard. (laughs) Get ready to equip yourself with practical tips and strategies to tackle daily trials, along with insights from expert guest speakers and relatable stories from other moms just like you. Join us weekly for advice, inspiring stories, and a supportive community of moms navigating the joys and challenges of motherhood together. Welcome back, mamas. Today we have a exciting but I guess kind of not so exciting topic um Nikki is going to talk about the two hardest weeks of her life um this was after the diagnosis of Sadie with cancer um and we just thought this was really relatable even if you don't have a child going through cancer or something life-threatening I know a lot of moms struggle with severe depression or, you know, we all have those moments where we just feel like everything is crashing down and just we're spiraling. And so she's just going to share her insights of and walk us through what that was like and then um, give us some um, insight on how she kept her faith and remained in her walk with Christ. So Nikki, do you want to start off? Yes, I do. Um, gosh, it's it's really, I'm nervous because, um, yeah, there's a lot of emotion that comes with this. I was telling Samantha, I was like prepping for the podcast and I was going back on Sadie's, some of the emails and some of the notes that I had kept um, because I originally thought I was going to do like a book or a, a, just a YouTube series. I didn't know Samantha and I would have this community and a podcast and all of those things. So it's it's neat on the fact of like, here we are, like we're to that point and I'm able to share that. But it is crazy when you go back and look on Facebook and see some of the pictures or a video of myself talking about the exams. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to cry already. It's like it was somebody else. It's like, you know, it. God does get you through it. And then also I think sometimes you just are able to hide those emotions because I know you do this too, Samantha. I mean, I'm always like, I'm so I'm I'm definitely an optimist and I'm always like I'm so thankful that it was this because she's still here. You know, I still get to lay with her and smell her. Mm-hmm. Like it could have been so much worse. And then there's other people that haven't experienced a, a very ill child that are like, "Are you crazy? That's insane." But I think we always you have to be grateful for things and I think that like sets you up in life just to, you know, keep going and keep to keep finding that joy. But certainly looking into the pictures and some of the notes that I had taken and even notes to prepare for whatever I was going to share about it someday, it's just really hard to go back there. (laughs) Um, We are preparing sometime this year. Um, This is a a topic that I've like coveted because I want it to be perfect. But Samantha and I are going to share a, I don't know, six, 10 part video series on Sadie's journey in its entirety because I feel like a lot of times um, when people speak about their cancer situation or their child's cancer situation, it's a lot of times like St. Jude, which is a good thing, you know, but it's like, tell us your experience here and this and that, but it doesn't really talk about a lot of the things of that women go through, moms go through, or your marriage, 
how it suffers. Um, there's just so many angles that they don't talk about or that like guaranteed you're going to be depressed after everything gets good. What? That makes no sense. Well, nobody talks about it. So anyways, like look for that sometime in 2024. Um, but I hold that. So I'm going to, I'm going to be like losing sleep that whole one or two months that we do that smoothly because I just want it perfect. But again, I, I want it to really help another mom out there. And I want it to be a story that has a good ending and, and all these things. So we thought we would do, because one of the reasons we started this podcast was to share difficult experiences that women go through, that mothers especially go through. And so that other women don't feel alone or also for other women to Maybe they know somebody else going through a hard time as a mother or a woman or a friend. They will actually think, oh my gosh, I need to step in. Like I need to show up. I, I failed. You know, we want to inspire people to show up. So I thought um, it would be a good opportunity to do a quick podcast on the hardest two weeks of the whole journey with Sadie. Sadie was diagnosed at seven weeks old with retinoblastoma, and that was such a shock <laughs> And it was really, really, really hard. Um, she rang her bell four years later. So it's not like she had live cancer the last two-ish years before ringing the bell, but they were monitoring her closely. And then some other things developed because of all the treatment she had. So it was a long four years, I will say that, but especially a really, really yeah. long two and a half years. So it's kind of in the middle of of the journey where it was the hardest. And so... Sadie ended up getting diagnosed at seven weeks old and getting treated at the local children's hospital in St. Louis. She received eight rounds of systemic chemo, so all throughout her body. Um, the highest end of the protocol would be nine, and she was actually slated to get the ninth round. Um, but, you know, we feel like God kind of led us to um, the doctor that's world-renowned for retinoblastoma in Philadelphia. So, Sadie was treated with eight rounds of systemic chemo and all the things that went with that for the first eight months of treatment. And then in October of 20 or October of 2019, um, she went out to Philadelphia for the first time and saw that doctor. Well, we were hopeful. So with retinoblastoma cancer, it is very aggressive and it will be, it's basically the cancer develops when the retinas are developing. So you're going to likely see cancer kind of Continual, continually come back for the first two to two, two to two and a half years of the child's life. But for any of the dead calcified cancer, they're still like for three years after those tumors are gone, it could still kind of regrow on there. So you're looking at four to five years old before that child is like checked, like, hey, you, we think you're good. So it's a really, it's hard to accept that at the beginning of the journey. Like, is Sadie going to have vision at all? Is she going to see it all? And then it's you, you're telling me I have to wait four years to know if she's going to be okay and all these things. So, um, very yeah. long game. So anyways, we went to this other doctor after she got the eight rounds and we're thinking, well, what if Sadie's just, you know, what if she'll surprise her and, and they'll think that she doesn't need any more chemo? Well, of course that we were wrong. She ended up needing, um, her, she had, a very aggressive tumor in the right eye. And honestly, she shouldn't have a right eye in her body, but she does still to this day, thank God. Um, so we went to Philly. They started treating her in her right eye, and they did what is a newer technique. It um, had only been around for, I want to say, 13 years at the time. It's intra-arterial chemo. So essentially, it's brain surgery on it, babies. Wow. 
So Sadie had a catheter that was weaved up, like put um, in her thigh into an artery and weaved up into her brain and then into her eye where they, with um, the baby's heartbeat, they actually hand pump chemo directly in the eye. They squirt it in the eye. Um, And so through the arteries and veins that go in there. And then they also have injections that they can shoot in the eye. So she did three rounds of that. And um, it it would be once a month treatment. So it was October she did it. And then um, November 2019. And then December. And then the whole time the left eye stayed stable, which was like pretty amazing. So we were very hopeful that December 2019 would be the time we ring the bell and like she's good to go and we move on with our lives, you know. Maybe she was just one of those lucky ones. So after December, I think the doctor said come back in three months. It must have been something like that. So and we live in Missouri for those who don't know that. So in March of 2020, when COVID was starting to be a buzz, it wasn't declared a pandemic at that point. Uh, March, um, I think we were, we went out for a trip of, we were there like March 10th of, uh, 2020. And so we walk in, um, I had a whole routine when Sadie was under anesthesia. So to, in order to do a detailed eye exam, they had to sedate her. And so we would go visit the doctor, um, get before the operation or pre-op we'd, we talked to them and then they would, um, put Sadie under, take her back. And I had this whole thing. I would, um, first I'd poop my butt out because I was so nervous. <laughs> and then I would pray really hard, like in the bathroom by myself or on my knees in the bathroom. I just like dug into it. I wore mm-hmm. all kinds of like people bless us with like scripture bracelets or necklaces or whatever. And so I always wore that. I called it my Jesus bling. And then I always had my Bible out and I was going through the underlying scriptures that really reinforced faith and that God was going to come around. And so I'd read those. Mm. And then I would call my friend Angie from Ohio where we, I, we had met her when we used to live there. And so that was my routine. So this was, um, March, hold on, I wrote it down, March 11th, 2020. And we were sitting in the waiting room. And I'm pretty sure that's the moment that on TV in the waiting room, they declared COVID a nat- national pandemic. Wow. Um, yes, right there when we were, we were half a country away from our family. Um, my husband and two kids were at home. I was just there with my mom. And so we um, were waiting for the exam to get done. And I was talking to Angie. And it was like within, usually the exam's taken anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. And I've had mm-hmm. one quick exam prior that the doctor, I swear, was in there for 15 minutes with Sadie. And that was a good thing. Like he went in, yeah. saw nothing, and he was he popped out. He was done. So I was on the phone with Angie looking out the window that I normally look out at Will's Eye Hospital in Philly. And um, I got the call. Hey, Sadie's um, ready. You know, she's, you know, in, in post-op and, you know, she's going to be waking up. Go ahead and go to the con- consult room. So my mom, I literally was like, Angie, oh my gosh, she's already done. This is a good, good thing. And normally I, I would say I'm not like super hopeful in those situations like that, like outwardly, I usually like game, like game face on. Okay. You know, whatever. But I was like, Angie, like me and my mom, I think hugged like, oh my gosh, this must be a good thing. So we go in the consult room. The doctor, um, comes in a little bit after a few others. So she has another doctor that does the exams with her. Her name's Dr. Lally. And so I was smiling ear to ear and Dr. Lally walked in and I remember her like, looking at me and like shaking her head silently and like, no, don't be happy. Like, 
kind of giving me a cue, like stop smiling. And then that was like, okay, you know, but still it's just like, you're so, I don't know. It's like the world life, everything stops in that moment. So you're just like sitting there like, okay, okay. So then Dr. Shields comes in and she's, I think she's like 65. She's in her mid sixties. Looks like a really sweet person, but she's kind of like drill sergeant. Like, so either you're getting, you know, it, she just is kind of a tough one and for good reason, because that's why she's such a good doctor. So she comes in, she slams her book down, and she said, we see recurrences in both eyes. And basically, she said, we're walking the tightrope. Um, and so that was a, a shock, because before that, everything was good. And I was thinking maybe we could be done with chemo forever. And so she said, tomorrow, come back, we're going to do plaque radiation in her right eye, because um, not only did she see recurrences in both eyes, tumors growing inside her eyes, but she also saw like 20 vitreous seeds, so floating cancers in her right eye. Like everything was out to get her right eye. And so she said, uh-huh. tomorrow um, you're going to come back in. And well, basically she said, you're going to be here for two or three weeks. And we're like scared out of our minds because of COVID. And then I'm scared because oh, now she's not going to, she's going to get chemo again and have no immune system. And what the heck is this COVID? Um, right. Scared to death, to be honest. Wow. Um, so at all places like yeah gonna be when you're in a pandemic or in the middle of a city in philadelphia yeah yeah Yeah. so um plaque radiation the next day which was something i never wanted to hear radiation increases other risks for other cancers in the future and is very hard on the eye so sometimes the radiation can make you lose your eye so she um, was slated to get that the next day and then S.H.I.E.L.D. says, come back next Wednesday. We're going to do the intra-arterial chemo up, you know, the brain surgery thing in the left eye. And then the week after that, you're going to come back on Wednesday and we're going to inject chemo into the right eye with, I guess, a syringe. Yeah. And so I don't I don't know. I just, it's like life flees from you and... You don't know how to process it, and you're the mom. You have to keep going. There's no choice. And then it was COVID. Um, so we stayed the next night. <clears throat> Let me read a post. Let me, I, I had a post pulled up of what what I announced on the Facebook page. And so I said something along the lines of, I just said very plainly, not a good report. Dr. Shields reported recurrence in both eyes. The exam was so short, and after being called back, we were thinking it was going to be a good report. Not the case. Doctor recommends right-eye treatment of plaque radiation starting tomorrow and chemo injections in two weeks. Next week, intra-arterial chemo. We are shaken, but we hold firm to our hope and trust in our Lord and God's hand, in God's great hands as we continue in patience to wait for victory in full vision restoration, no harmful effects of chemo, and genetic er- error to be resolved. And lastly, thank you for continually praying and not losing heart. Why would we? So that is the only thing I could muster muster up to say in in all my shock. And yeah. so, the next day, um, we did. We stayed at this Hilton Garden. We stayed in a room that was um, a designated room for radiation because I don't know if you've no. ever heard of anyone having like thyroid cancer and getting radiation. Like, you're not really supposed to be around it. So I had my nine-month-old, however old she was, 11-month-old. No, she was a year old at the time. I had her have this radiation plaque thing on. I was nursing her, so they made me wear a lead suit. I mean, 
Oh, wow. Think about being a mom. Like you can have that in your body, much less this toxic, hazardous chemical chemo. And yet I'm going to wear this like, you know, lead suit to be around you. Um, Yeah. It was torture to be there. Um, And uh, I was just there with me and my mom. But I remember Sadie being on the bed and she looked so cute with this chemo or this radiation plaque on. I mean, it just fit her. It was so cute. But she started dancing to one of my mom's, like, um, I think it was a Bruno Mars song that was, like, my mom's ringer that came on. And she started shaking her hips side to side and totally needed that in that moment because we just started laughing. Um, So that really, really broke the ice. And then um, one thing that um, Angie sent me at the time, I think it was, um, so after we get the plaque radiation done, and that's, like, they, we had to go back in. She had to be admitted under anesthesia again. And they put a, it's like a contact with a little bead in a certain area in order to like zone in on that cancer inside her eye on the tumor. And it's a very effective treatment. So that's what she did. And then we went, um, so she wore it for a couple of days and then got that taken off. And then we were kind of on her own. So my mom and I had never stayed at a Airbnb before. And we're not good at looking at that stuff, like looking up that stuff. And so my mom and I, we end up finding this random one, like in town, kind of walking distance because we were afraid to get into an Uber at this point. Like it was crazy. And so we find this one and book it. And then I don't know if we do take an Uber to it, but I like didn't let Sadie touch anything. Like I'm not a germaphobe and you should have seen me. I was like crazy when it came to like protecting her. So he showed up at this. Yes, right. Well, and she having chemo. Right, and her low immune system. Yeah, yeah. They keep going. And so we pulled up to this tall, like (coughs) three-story brick building, and you have to walk up a real thin flight of stairs to get in. And we get in, and it's a very narrow, long, I guess, apartment or condo thing. it had all hardwood floors and Sadie was just learning to walk. And that mm-hmm. was terrible because what we were going to basically be in there for two weeks and like entertain her somehow. And um, anyway, so we try, uh, we get, we get up there. It's a long, long day to just get in there. And then my mom tries to, I guess, place an order to do. So it was a, in a very bad part of town, actually uh, very okay. sketchy. Like Trader Joe's was down and around the corner, but it was like you had to walk through the sketchy big tunnel to get to. So it was not a good place for us to be. So meanwhile, Sadie's like trying to walk because that's all she wants to do. And she's um, falling on her face and falling on her eye and gets like a kind of like a black eye. And so at that point, I'm like, I just like, where's the cliff? (laughs) I'm jumping. I'm done. I can't even protect her. (laughs) Like, that's like my one job. And I like, it's like the one time I'm sitting down trying to like relax or like I'm in my mind with my thoughts and like she decides to take off and falls again. But I remember that night, I think we try to order groceries and everything we ordered and we, you, you did it through the phone because of the COVID thing. I think everything that was like delivered, we got like half or a third of what we asked for. And then, um, so they were out of everything. Then we try to cook from the uh, Airbnb. And every time we turned the, the uh, stove on, it smelled like gas really, really, really bad. So we were scared to cook. And then we learned the next day that the fridge 
um, it just wasn't keeping things cold. So it's like lukewarm or like barely cold things. So we were afraid to eat, even eat what we had. And it, um, but I remember the day that we like got there that night, we ordered Panera bread, like deliver in and they forgot my coffee and I didn't have a coffee. And that was like, it was like the little things, you know, like you're just done. But I was yeah. like, that so over the edge. it did. I was like, it was just a pouty moment. I didn't get frustrated. Or, I like, it was like sad. I was like, I just wanted a coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the place we stayed was not good. We didn't have access to food. And all of a sudden we were scared to death to even get in an Uber. And I think we flew there um, to get there. So we obviously weren't going to fly back. Um, so say, um, I guess fast forward a few days. Um, I remember, I just remember getting this text from my friend Angie and, um, it's just sometimes people would call me or text me or say the perfect thing at the perfect time. And it really was like such a God thing. Cause I tell you, there's so many times where I was like texted at my worst moments, like where the devil just yeah. has you and he's twisting you up and he's not letting you go. And you would just get a call or you'd get a text and you're, and I literally sometimes would be like, how did you know? Like, how did you know? So yeah. Um, I, I had explained the situation with Angie and she texted me with this and I kept it cause it was so special. She said, I am praying right now. I know you may feel alone tomorrow, but remember you're not alone. If only we could see God's present or presence around his people, how much more faith we would have because of that knowledge. But faith is believing without seeing. And I know, you know, all of this, but I'm here to uplift and encourage you as your sister in the Lord. I'm praying that you wake up refreshed in the morning as only God can do for you right now. And I ask that you put your full armor on because the devil will test you like no other because you'll be alone. I think of Jesus in the garden before his crucifixion or crucifixion. But remember, you're going in with the victor. Man, that stuck with me, that one line. I literally, from then on, I I like Jesus was there with me. I pictured it like when we were driving or when uh, we were sitting there before an exam, I pictured him next to me. So she said, but Mm -hmm. remember, you're going in with the victor. Continue to praise him and keep praying. You will get through this. Make sure you send out another notice to all of your prayer warriors to join you so we can pass that along. I am praying against this droopy eye in the name of Jesus. Um, Keep pressing in. Stay persistent. Don't listen to bad news. Cling to the Lord. He gives us hope for victory. Praise his name. I love you. Isn't that so Aww. special? <laughs> so okay. the reason she said, um, I, because I know you're going to be alone, that next week when we went in to do the first intra-arterial chemo in, on the left side, so into her left eye, um, they were no longer allowing any extra guests, any extra visitors to be with you. So not only are you walking through this scary, scary thing, COVID is happening, and it's a pandemic, and you're like, I'm... Like, what if they shut down the highways? I mean, you think of every crazy thought in your head, but it's not that unrealistic. Like, am I going to get home to see my kids? What if we're trapped out here in Sadie's situation? And, or what if she can't get treatment? And believe me, there was times where she was post- postponed because of COVID, which, you know, that's a whole nother podcast yeah. that could kill a mother. Um, so it was that next Wednesday, go to get the exam. And I'm in there alone. And... Um, in the waiting room, there's only one other person. Uh, well, well, there was 
there was a wife that went there for her husband. His name was Scott. Her name was Lisa. And I feel like divine connection, you know, God, it was just us and them. It's like everything in the world shut down, but they were still having their surgery because his was brain cancer. And then Sadie was still having her surgery. Um, So I remember him like, and her, like looking at Sadie and everyone will always feel sorry for the kids, right? They're kids. They do not, not that anyone deserves this, but they especially are like, oh my gosh, what's, you know, what's going on with her? And just, you could tell they had like grandma, grandpa love for her and me. And so they were so sweet and they both went back to surgery and Lisa and I just connected like no other. It was such a special thing. And, um, we talked about God and prayed and, um, yeah, I haven't talked to her for, I don't know, maybe like five or six months, but um, very special. Aww. It was a very divine connection. I needed her in that time. And I think she would yeah. say the same thing. Um, yeah. So we get out. So the person that does the intra-arterial chemo, her name is Dr. T. McCarris or Dr. T. She is um, Greece. She's from, she's from, she's Greek. She's from Greece. And she is, I want to say probably your age, I mean, I don't know, between 30, 35. Cool, calm, collected, beautiful person. Like all I've ever seen of her, like, what what doctor wants to put essentially do brain uh, brain surgery or do this very high it's not very high risk but there's risk like babies could die have a stroke like all kinds of different things could happen that you have to sign before they go in so I've always looked up to her she's this amazing doctor Eric the same but after she came out of that surgery that Wednesday she looked white as a ghost and she looked unsettled and she looked like scared. She looked scared to death. Like my daughter was going to be one of those that like has a stroke or whatever during the procedure. Um, and I remember her showing me an image. She had a snapshot image on, on her phone and she said there was a lot of very high pressure. So whenever she got, she wove uh, the catheter, which she said Sadie uh-oh. was one of her top five most difficult babies she's ever done and the smallest when she started. She, and she's done hundreds, probably thousands by now, but she said there was a lot of pressure. So I, woman to woman, I could sense what she was feeling. And I was even Uh more scared out of my mind. Like literally, where's the cliff? Like I literally so many times imagine like, and I wouldn't jump, I would have never left Sadie, but I like remember screaming in my head, like, like, just viciously screaming in my mind while keeping a a perfectly peaceful face or thinking I was running backwards. Like this is, I'm just going to, I imagine myself turning and running as fast as I can, as hard as I could for as long as I could. Or I also Mm -hmm. had moments where I like envisioned myself spinning backwards down, spiraling down this like deep, dark pit. Like that's what I thought. And I would be Mm -hmm. battling and I would be looking at the scriptures and I'd be listening to christian music and i'd be battling but then i would get you know like it was like a numbness it was like something i just can't even explain so after that i was terrified um what let me pause you and ask what is the risk of the pressure is Uh, that higher risk for than stroke probably the stroke or the death yeah if there's high pressure if something like i guess I i don't know but i know it would be one of those things yeah. Um, so then, um, the next week, um, I'm trying to think what happens. Then the next week, um, we, things calm down a little bit. We just try to make the most of it. And I guess before the last, um, treatment, which was just an injection in her right eye, 
<coughs> my poor mom celebrated her birthday there. So um, there was another sweet family that we had met, I feel like the the month before, and um, they were the Bowen family. And I remember being in pre-op to do the intra-arterial chemo, and this young man, he was probably in his early 30s, was praying over his mom, and it was the sweetest thing. So I knew he had faith. So in those moments, I just ne- needed people because you know how I am. And I like yeah. went up to him and I was like, I see that you have faith, you know, you know, what's going on or, or beautiful that you're praying for them. I don't know. And we connected. So beautiful connections that God makes. So one or two treatments, I don't know how long it was to fast forward to this time frame, but his dad actually would leave work and brought my mom and I like, um, he was like, nobody's been in our backseat for X amount of days. If you need me to take you places or take you to the hospital Aww. so you don't have to do an Uber, he was shuttling us. And then he learned and he would take us to a store and wait out like so my mom could run in because my mom didn't even have a blow dryer and all these things. And so yeah. then um, it was my mom's birthday, my poor mom. And, you know, Aww. I suffered enough. But imagine like nobody thinks about the grandma or they think less of like yeah. the grandma suffering for me and for my child. Yeah, so you go through all that and see the wear on you and yeah. Yeah, and then that's a really hard position to be in, you know. Right. Having that double man. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the perspective I'll never understand because I didn't walk like my mom did in that. Right. And then so he, um, Jeff Bowen, the same man, he order us, uh, ordered a delivery of like his favorite Italian place or something like that for us and I know he spent a buku amount of money and it was delivered to us and it was like the most special thing on my mom's birthday and I I just saw a comment that we made because I was looking back at the comments my mom's like it was the best fettuccine you've ever had I don't know if it because I was because we were like starving um (laughs) but so that really brightened our our um experience people showing up for us that were perfectly good strangers but brothers and sisters of Christ you know so beautiful and it's like even though you felt so alone and you felt like I mean had you have had your people there you wouldn't have made all those amazing connections and God work when you feel like you have no one and it's like this wilderness of like him being like well I'm gonna send it to you it's like Elijah and the desert like we get the the bird with the the raven with the food yeah kind of reminds me of that well and right. you did get it too so. <laughs> yeah yeah I called it manna I called it modern day manna God provides that's what I said in my post okay so fast forward into the final week that final Wednesday usually um, Dr. Shields treats on Wednesday so that's why I was separated like that um so we went to we went to her office. Sadie was injected in her right eye with um, chemo. And I'm not sure exactly how this one went, but because we were afraid to get on an airplane and certainly, you know, drive a car home, you were afraid of staying in hotels, all these things. Um, I remember, Mm -hmm. I think my dad and my husband drove out to pick us up. And then um, we went home and I think it was this trip where she couldn't open her eyes the whole trip. So it's like a 14-hour drive. And Aww. my poor baby girl, and so I'd put her in the car seat when she was napping her, but there was times where I had to, like, just get her out and, like, nurse her or, like, keep her contained so we can get home. And she was suffering. She couldn't open her eyes. And I remember pulling in. I think Eric's mom was watching the boys. Thank God for her being there for us. 
Um, so we pulled into the house, we got out and Sadie loved our cats. And so I'm pretty sure when we got home, um, she opened her eyes because she wanted to see the cats. And that was such a, again, you know, it's like the little moments that you remember that make you, that was a a very joyful moment, despite everything else that was going on. Super, super happy. Um, so I think it was three weeks later. It wasn't a full month, usually like with chemo, because it's so hard on your body. And the more chemo you have, the bigger toll it takes on your body. Um, usually it's spread out at least a month in between. And sometimes they have to push it back depending on your numbers. So I'm sure many events ha- transpired that I'm not going to remember because I should have probably had a journal and wrote it all down, but I didn't have the time. Um, you know, there's many times she ended up in an ER, you know, with neutropene. She's neutropenic, basically no immune system and a fever. And that's a very scary thing. So um, there's lots of incidences where that happened or maybe a blood transfusion in between. I do remember one um, person, Maureen, she she was there during Sadie's first blood transfusion. And I was like rattled, kind of like when Sadie got the chemo for the first time. I was like, I was just pissed. I was like so upset that somebody else's blood that's not as perfect as my daughter's own blood that God gave her is going in her body. But she is a Christian and she reminded me, Nikki, like you need to be thankful for that person that donated that and that God can, just like he blesses your food, he can bless the chemo and he can bless that blood to our body. And so from that point on, I thought of it that way and that helped so much. And you know what? That's true. Because if God created the heavens and the earth, even chemo, he can bless to our body. So um, that brought a lot of peace, you know? So anyways, yeah. um, it was like three weeks later, um, Sadie had like a speck in her in her eye where they did the plaque radiation. It looked like a little black like uh, marker, like a big uh, pointed marker speck in her eye. And so I don't know if there was a couple other things happening or maybe I was, I was red, um, but we ended up sending a picture in to Will's Eye Hospital in Philadelphia. Hey, is this normal? This like spot is still in there. Well, they were like, you know what, go ahead and bring her in like, you know, for this Wednesday's exam kind of thing, just to be on the safe side. So Eric drove all the way out there to Philly with us. We stopped zero times other than to, he would fill up gas, we'd get right in, he'd have to wash his hands with the sanitizer. I would stop off to pee on the side of the road. That's how like crazy psycho I was about protecting Sadie and him too which was hard, like, oh my gosh, like what else can happen? You know, 14 hours of solitaire and uh, not moving, you know, getting out, moving your legs. So we end up um, going in and he had to drop me off at the hospital to be by myself with her because we couldn't have another visitor. Um, so I go in and they bring us back and the doctor comes to pull out the huge binder and Sadie's is a big one because she's had almost like the full gamma on the higher end of treatment for her cancer, for her disease. And so um, Dr. Shields, uh, she just starts basically, I guess they think they thought that black speck was like separation from the, uh, the contact bead, the radiation that was in her eye, that basically her eye wasn't healing. And sometimes it can separate and open up and you're actually seeing on the inside of her eye. So she was think, uh-huh. presuming that that was what was happening. So I'm sitting there holding Sadie, trying to like mind battle like God, imagining Jesus next to me. And all the while I'm hearing her go, that's it. Take him off of all my babies. Like he's not going to, you know, do blah, 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 the radiation for for any more of my babies. And I'm like, dang, I'm like, why did my daughter have to suffer with his lack of, you know, profession, you know? Um, And so I heard that. And then I hear 
Um, then I hear her saying, uh, I guess basically Dr. T was scared to go back up and do the same thing because of the pressure that she experienced last time. So I oh, hear God. Dr. Shields saying, well, fine, if she doesn't want to do it, put your bork on it, blah, blah, blah. And like, she's like just spouting off about things. And again, I'm sitting there like by myself, holding her, like trying to kumbaya in my mind, thinking like, oh, dear Lord. And I'm like, I mean, I have to sit there and wait for 30 minutes, an hour when they get done with this whole thing and just wait for them to come out and go to that consult room that I hate, you know? And it's just like Mm -hmm. a numbness again. So anyways, they brought her back and um, I'm sitting there super mind battling and she comes, um, you know, hey, um, Sadie's mom are ready to see you in the consult room. So I go sit in there and I'm just like on edge because you know what I was prepared to hear? I was prepared to hear, hey, it's time we need to take out her right eye. I mean, I could have heard that at any, any time, and I could have even heard it for the left eye because if the cancer gets bad enough or doesn't get contained, well, then it can go in the brain, and that's when it's life or death. So you can't have that happen. Yeah. So every time you have to prepare for that in your mind, even though you're preparing with faith and saying no, saying no to that thought. Yeah. And so she comes in, and she sits down, and she's smiling. And it's just me across the table from her with her doctors and staff. And she goes, it was actually the marker that we used to place the contact radiation bead on the eye. So her eye is just fine. It's healing wonderfully. And she goes, when Dr. T did the intraarterial chemo um, last month, like she hit it perfectly. Like literally, she goes, when the cancer dies, you see these lines in it. She goes, literally, it doesn't look like there's any live cancer in the eyes. And I literally am like sitting there like, oh, dear Lord. Well, of course, I'm like over the moon excited. I mean, you're excited short term because you still got four years to go through it all. But um, like I literally was like the biggest like, oh, my gosh, you know, going in thinking they could say we're going to take the eye out to that. Um, And I just remember that being such a super, super joyful, joyful, I don't know, moment, you know, after all of that. No, no, it, it... there's nothing like going through something like that with it being your child where you can't fix it. And then when you have to be the decision maker in all these things, um, there's just nothing yeah. like it. A lot. And then also, are you were you ever scared? Like, obviously, you're glad to get good news. But then was there a part of you that was scared, like, like the bottom's going to fall out? Like, don't get too excited. Or did you not reserve the excitement? Yeah. You know I, what I mean? So kind of both. I no, I didn't re, I didn't have like I'm not like the Christian that's like God just told me she's he, like I'm you know blah 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 even though I do believe in part of that like praying scripture out loud. Yeah. I think that like defeats the enemy and all these things, but I am I'm more reserved when it comes to that and that's just between me and God and in my mind, but I will say mm-hmm. for the most part I would count I would do things that I knew worked to counter those um, e- the bad thoughts that came in and that tried to drown me. And sometimes they won for for that day or that period of time. But I would say most yeah. of the time, if I did, so what I did to battle that to keep my mind in check was um, read. So I'm just going to say this real fast. When Sadie was first diagnosed, even though I was a Christian, I had to go back in and I had to I had to re assess God and make sure he was real. If that sounds crazy, because I was an avid striving Christian before that for years and years. 
but I had to make sure that he was real. And that um, one solitary life poem did it for me. And, and then I moved on and then I said, okay, well, but what's your character, God? What really, are you compassionate and forgiving and abundantly pardoning and merciful and loving and all these things, a just God? So then I went through that and I was like, wow, okay, I'm very pleased with what I'm finding scripturally. And then um, I had to know what the Bible said, especially what Jesus said about healing. And so I reread and reread, reread the New Testament. I think I would read anywhere from two to four pages a day, two to four chapters a day. And I had so many underlined scriptures. Like It's like they were always there, and I had read that before, but I'd never seen them or I never cared about them, but they leaped yeah. off the page to me. And there's hundreds, hundreds of them that are like, whoa, this is good. This is my favorite. No, this one. No, that one. So that actually, going back and looking at the underlying ones that I've already like vetted and looked at, and I know they've inspired me, always, always helped me. Listening to Christian music, like the worship music, always, always helped me. And then I would binge watch um, the 700 Club on YouTube, uh, Miracle Testimonies. And it didn't have to just be about healing about drug drug abusers, you know, coming to God, people that were like abused, I don't know, all these things, but there's a lot of healing ones. So all of those things are like reinforcing, it's like working the muscle of faith. And I know faith comes by the grace of God, but still, like, I, I was doing the things that he tells you, you read your Bible, you you know. And then yeah. lastly, what, what got me through is, is people reaching out, like I said, like at that right time, you know, like the one time you were with me in the bathroom here, and I don't know if the the reason you were here at the moment, that was probably when your tire got flat going up a hill or something. But I remember crying with you. Like, I just needed you to like, even sit there and just like, let me cry. Even if I couldn't vocalize everything I was feeling, because I feel like most of the time I couldn't. Um, So that those are things that really helped me. Yeah, no, that's so, so good. Um, I Oh, that's such a hard story to hear because, like, especially now, like, it makes me want to cry. <laughs> Just like seeing her now, and then, like, I know. Watching, you know, yeah, that, and then, like, yeah, I don't know why I got so emotional. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and then, just like, I remember being on the you know, just the small end of like when we were praying for her and stuff, and just like laying in bed, and being like, oh my gosh, like, I don't like how, like, wondering where, where. Uh, I guess I'll just say it because we don't have filters or whatever, yeah, but no like need. just being so scared, like, oh my gosh, is she going to die? Like, what is this? Like, right. where are they at? And you can't really ask, you know, the mom that and you, right. not that you need to know that because it doesn't make it, but I mean, it's just like, there's so many different levels of yeah. just like, holy cow, right. um, what a whirlwind. Um, but I do love, well, I don't love I feel like you expressed your visuals very good. And I feel like a lot of women can relate to, you know, some of those feelings, even like I said, not going through cancer just as a mom or, you know, women going through depression. I feel like there's so many times we see this women, these women and they have this whole thing going on and we're just like clueless. Like they look happy, they're smiling, you know, but it really, and the back of their minds they're spiraling down a deep hole right. um and totally different situation but for me like when um I was a teen mom and then I had just got divorced and I was dating Jonathan although now it's easy to say because looking back like we have this beautiful marriage and everything worked out but um I remember there was just one time when Landon was at daycare 
And I had the day off of work and um, I had just moved into Jonathan's mom's house, which I was 19 with a baby. You know, we're boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, me and my mom had gotten into a big fight. So I moved out of her house and I had no money. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being in one of those spiraling things. Like I had straight A's. I was such a good student. I was a hard worker. Yeah. And not that I ever did, didn't want my baby. I was like so sad for my son because I was like, I had this perfect, precious little baby boy. And like, he deserves the best mom ever and like the best life ever. And just in this yeah. fear of like, I have nothing to give him. And I remember having a day where I felt like the world was just crashing. And I was just like, how did I get here? Like what happened? I felt so hopeless on, you know, making a life for him. But I think you're saying it right though. Like there's, uh, you can be a faithful Christian. You can be a daughter, a child of the most high, but he's going to let you, like even he said the trials that Jesus went through were necessary. And it's like when he lifts his hand, when he lets things happen for whatever reason or whatever lesson or who, whatever it is, it can, everything can go bad. And that's, I've, you know, our, our car engine would broke down twice. And like, then I had two miscarriages, longer term, like it, there's a lot of things, and I'm not even recalling probably so many of them, but there's a lot of things that do go wrong when something bad goes wrong. But I tell you, yeah. and just like you were just saying, if you stay, my sister-in-law told me she heard like eye contact with God. And I always, that's another thing I envision myself like, okay, eye contact, yeah, eye good. contact. And yeah, you will go through those hard times or you're going to go through the depressed, yeah. depressed times or whatever. But if you keep looking to him, you will be like in the season that we're in is like the abundantly like cup overflowing. Like you can't even imagine all the blessings and almost like, no, I'm not worthy of it. This, you know, or how is this my life? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think it's like, it's always, I think of that saying that's um, you don't have like, God doesn't make your life like perfect or everything better. It makes it bearable. So it's not a promise that you're not going to go through the hard times. Yeah. Actually, he says to consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when going through trials, because that is actually when we're closest to God and God does the most work in us. And then that's what we use to um, to minister and relate to other people. So it's definitely not about this prosperity Christianity where it's, you know, everything's just blissful and joy. It's that life on earth is really, really hard and really Mm -hmm. sad. And there's so much unfairness and so much what feels so unjust. And we're not going to know the full story until we're on the other side of heaven. And we just have to trust and knowing that he is the creator and he does work it all for our good. And, you know, it makes me think of like Job in the Bible where everything, he lost everything and he still had to keep the faith. And I think sometimes too, when we're going through those struggles, you feel like your faith is wavering, Um, And I think that's the human in us, but it's just like Abraham when, you know, Abraham lied about who Sarah was Mm -hmm. to him because he said his wife was his sister because he was so scared that these men were going to kill him for his beautiful wife. Um, But yet, if you look back in scripture, it says... um, Abraham believed and God counted it all as righteousness. And I think sometimes as a human, we could be like, he lied not just once. 
he did that two times. Right. And like he he believed like we're like, wait, God, I saw him waver so many times in this story. Like what? But no, it's like he you're allowed to waver. Well, you know, you're allowed to. It's going to happen. It's not like you want it. Yeah, Yeah. not perfect walk. Mm -hmm. But I think the the thing is, he did. Even if he wavered a little bit, his he looked to Jesus quickly. It's about okay. I had a moment of weakness. I lost my faith for a second, or I lied about this for a second. But okay, God, I'm focused. I'm sorry. You know, I repent, and Mm -hmm. we're moving forward. And like God still counted it all as righteousness. So I think that's so beautiful and a good. just a reminder for us is that like sometimes when we're going through that, it feels like, you know, our like you you probably had moments where you felt like you were sta- like you were standing in faith, you were turning to scriptures, but maybe in your heart you had that of like, course. oh well, God, if you don't heal it, like you know, yeah, oh yeah, um, no, and I always like I um my faith went like this. It was like rediscovering who God was when I talked about like you know, making sure he was real, finding his character. What does Jesus say about healing? Then I knew all those things. And then I felt like at the worst times, I was at the top of my faith. I was like, everyone, you just watch Sadie. She's, you know, like, um, so it's just, I felt a crazy peace and confidence like I might never in my life feel because he, when you are so down and you look to him, man, is he there? But then I also, even Mm -hmm. now, I think, I'm still asking for her complete healing. And I, I envision yeah. myself, this is my other vision and my more current is like hanging at the end of a cliff with my pinky and not letting go. Like faith as tiny as a mustard mm-hmm. seed. I'm. It's been longer. The years have g- come out. Somebody even had a dream about her. I thought she was going to be healed when she was like three, like totally miraculously like the breakthrough movie. But that hasn't yeah. fully come yet. Although she's been, gosh, she's the coolest kid, so loved, so blessed, smart, all these things, you know, that I could keep rattling off about her. But I'm still like, it's like the Jacob story. I'm not letting go. I'm wrestling with the angel or God, whatever it was in that story. But I'm like, even if my pinky's like, I'm not letting go. And why would I? Is this a test for me? Is it an Abraham test? So I I watched just like what you're saying. It's so funny you brought that up. We watched the Bible Project, like a couple short videos on YouTube. And that was it. Uh It's like, not in my, like, Maybe I thought it was when she was going to be three, but why would I let go of that? And why would I not yeah. like hold firm to what Jesus says and just continue in the faith, even as like tiny as it feels right now and as grand as it felt a couple of years ago, but I'm not going to let go. So um, one, one final well, thought, um, something that, so we had a, a good network of people like Sadie's GoFundMe, like just took off and like we never were out a medical bill or we could go to Philadelphia and not have to worry about, you know, me taking off work. So we were so blessed and we're so blessed with the community. Um, <clears throat> however, and this is something people don't know, and Samantha, you and I have talked about this. A lot of times people don't ask you the hard questions when you're going through some, this, uh, something so hard. So for example, um, I remember many times being all up in my head, and I never saw a therapist or a counselor. And, and, you know, if I talked to my mom, my mom would just be spouting things to try to, like, fix it. And sometimes I'm like, Mom, I just need you to listen. But honestly, um, the longer it went in the journey, people would be like, or my friends, hey, how's it going? And I'd be like, well, blah, blah, blah. This was really, really hard, X, Y, Z, which probably meant I needed to vomit it out. But I never, ever, not one time got a chance to. Because I think people are afraid to ask you about the thing that you can't not stop thinking of, which is like counterintuitive. Um, 
So I know some people are more private, but some people aren't. I think it begs the question, like, is it, why don't we, like, if, if we know somebody's going through a hard time or just your friend, your mom friend is, she just looks off today. Ask her, are you okay? Or, Hey, tell me more about it. Do you want to talk about it? I remember opening up to some people that I thought were going to kind of be there for me, or I could finally like just sit down and get it out. And they would be like, Oh, that stinks. Okay. And they would be like, all right, kids, you guys ready? And I'd be like left there, like literally like nothing hurt more than that. So I would say like, if you know, somebody's going through something bad, we always say show up and there's many ways you can show up. You can say, hey, I want to do X, Y, Z, these three things or whatever, or just say, hey, I know you're going through something, just going through something so hard. Do you want to talk about it? You know, or, hey, I know this hurts. Like, bring it up. I guess, that, what am I trying to say, Samantha? We've talked about it many times. Just go ahead and go there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I definitely, from the outside perspective and many, I think, we, I know we've shared this before, but like, I for sure felt like, I didn't, I knew it was consuming your mind. So I didn't think that you'd want to talk about it. I was like, oh, maybe we could have a little bit of fun or like a distraction or whatever. So I think a lot of people like have those types of thoughts or like, oh, I want to make her cry. Or um, we've heard from um, mothers that have lost their children, like people never bring them up and they feel as though the people forgot. And in reality, it's not that the people forgot about their child. It's they are scared to, you know, they're tiptoeing around and walking on eggshells not to make the mother upset. But then really what the mother wants to do is talk about her child that has passed to remember her child as if like they're still living on. So it's just that you know, perception of what is going on and truly the difference of like, you just don't know if you're not going through it. And so I think what I've learned is to, you know, ask them the hard questions and to ask them like, hey, do you want to talk about this? And like, people do want, there are people that want to talk to you about what you're going on. They're just nervous or scared. And so from, so we're saying as if, you're the people that have someone going through, step up and are going through something, step up and be the person that just brings it up and says, you know, can, can I pray for you? What's been the hardest part through all of this? How could, you know, ask the hard questions. What could I do to help you more? What, yeah. you know, what is needed? Um, give them options. That's what I like to do when someone's going through something is I'll say like, Hey, we could go out for a girl's night. I can watch your kids. I can bring you a meal or I can come clean your house. Which one's going to be most helpful? Like pick and one. You have I'm to choose one. For you. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. did that to and me. I, and then, <clears throat> yeah. And like, it was so good because like for me, I would have wanted to show up and do, I think one of the things was like, let me come do your laundry. Cause that's what uh, would have been like falling apart for me. And you were actually like, actually my laundry's all caught up. I'm like, <laughs> Wow, she is a superhero. <laughs> what your laundry Might not have mopped in that, two years, but Yeah. So it's just we all have the different things and what we think what we think um might be the most helpful for might actually not be that helpful for the other person. So right. Yeah, I guess to conclude, um, you know, we're all battling things big and small. And if only we have people around us to step in and fill the gap and and show up, I think every little bit helps. And um, that's just what we're here for. And that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast. So um, we hope this spoke to some people. Um, We're going to, again, we're going to 
you know, dig a little deeper when we do our series. But um, I just wanted to share um, something that said, I'm not alone in struggles. I'm not alone with um, being a mother and having a hidden thing that when you saw me at the ballpark, I would have been smiling, but if only you knew. Um, So anyways, um, we hope this podcast spoke to you. If you have a story like this that you want to share, whether it's depression or postpartum or gosh, anything, please message Samantha. We'd love to have you on if you think it would impact and help another mom. Yes, definitely. But first, Nikki, what are you having for dinner? I I have no idea. I have no clue. And actually, I just remembered that I put soup on the stove before this, and it. I assume Eric got it, but that would have been on the stove for like an hour and a half by now, cooking. <laughs> this is why I don't cook. What are you having? You know, I'm struggling. I really, so we're on like days, snow day 4,500th million. Yeah. And just kidding. Um, but I had a grocery pickup and um, yeah, I didn't get there. So, and then I do have meat in the freezer, but until just now I haven't thought it out. Um, oh, I do have a pork tenderloin I could cook. I'll probably do that, but I don't know what sides I'm going to make because I have like, I don't have any potatoes or we have potatoes. We're just gonna we're gonna be on the struggle bus. <laughs> no, you'll okay. Yeah, this is what it. I want you to do. You're gonna whip something up. I want you to send me a picture. You're gonna go from like okay. oh, I have nothing. Oh, look at me. Woe is me. To like, hey, look at this, and everyone loved it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I know one of the nights that I did a podcast and I was like, oh, I have nothing, and then I went home. I made this random thing, and it's like. Everyone's like, can you put this in the dinner rotation? What is this recipe called? I'm like, it's called We Don't Have Groceries. <laughs> no more groceries. <laughs> <laughs> no more groceries. Um, but, okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know that's, like, really hard, and it's hard to walk through all that emotion again, and you got me all emotional. <laughs> so, but I think it was really good, and um, I think it will definitely help a lot of moms out there. See you, See next, you time, next time, mamas. Mom. <laughs> Why is it so I don't know, because we're doing a Zoom. I think we should keep it, though. Okay, let's okay. keep it. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another Align Mama podcast. We hope you found value in today's topic. For more mama resources, go to alignedmamas.com, follow us on social, and join our Aligned Mamas community Facebook group to connect with other moms just like you. We'd like to hear from you. Have a podcast topic? Want to get in touch with us? Want to share your story as a guest? Email us at alignedmamas at gmail.com. See you next time. I can see through my feelings now. I can see clear through my mind. And the secrets to shut my eyes.